It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey, folks, this is Rabble Rouse and Rich Bergeron. Ladies and gentlemen, the Tornado Tony Pennycount. And Psychic Tom Padgett with me. Pocket full of predictions. Not that for a little alliteration there, huh? Yeah. A powerful pocket of, of, of predictive possibilities. Probabilities, there you go. <laughs> I keep seeing these psychic commercials more and more now, too. It's funny. It's like every time I see them, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything goes in cycles. Uh, the 90s was a peak, then it kind of slowed down, but now maybe it's <laughs> coming back in a different form. No more 900 numbers. Well, we've kind of talked about Cowboy Cerrone and uh, Conor McGregor before it even happens, before, before we even did the show last week anyway. Um, but uh, I pretty much said, uh, you know, Connor likes to start fast, so if Cowboy can survive, pretty much everybody else said, too, that was an expert. You know, Cowboy yeah. can survive, well, he has a good it, chance. Because it, it was true. Yeah. And 40 seconds is all he could survive. He's getting a lot of shit in the uh, Facebook world. But, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Hey, he lasted uh, more than twice as long as Jose Aldo. <laughs> so... Um, you know, he has that anyway, but, uh, yeah, I kind of had a feeling that two TKOs in a row there was uh, the sign for McGregor to say, yeah, I want him, I want to come back against him, but <coughs> he still has no interest in a Khabib rematch, and, uh, he seems to be more leaning towards boxing again before he does another MMA fight, which is kind of crazy. But Dana White hates the idea, so I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, and I, I, the breaking news now, along those lines, I just discovered this today, uh, Bob Arum's got a great idea to um, raise the profile of uh, Karen Bud Crawford. He's looking for a two-fight deal with McGregor. One fight will be boxing, and the other will be and the other will be MMA because supposedly Crawford has a, a grappling background. Hmm. Now I believe that's when I see it, right? Because right. the argument against the the argument against it is Bob Arum hates the UFC. Bud Crawford, yeah, and there's all this talk about. Well, I, I know, but I, but I'm saying that there's all this talk about Crawford being number one pound for pound. I mean, I, I don't, I respectfully. The jury's out. I look at his record. But the point is, he's not a mega star. He's not a Manny Pacquiao. He's not a Floyd Mayweather. And I think right now, 
now he's just been desperate, calling out Spence, call, calling out everyone, and then Porter answered the call, and he didn't, you know, didn't follow up on that. But I think that the idea would be raise his profile. Right. And uh, possibly that would uh, lead to a, a Spence fight or a Pacquiao, or some, something bigger than what he's got going now. Uh, but with Bob Arum involved, I don't know. I, I just think there's so many obstacles. I want you to see what you guys think about it. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I don't know if Bob Arum involved and Dana White, him and those two have clashed butted heads. So that would be the only thing that would make right. me doubt, doubt about it. But otherwise, it yeah. makes sense. makes business sense. It makes, I don't know. could happen. What do you think, Tony? You know what? Um... I don't think, you know, with, and, and Bob has, you know, obviously he's a shrewd businessman. He's been doing this forever. Um, but I, I don't think it would be, you know, where the fight with Mayweather, Mayweather was obviously, you know, in the A side. Um, where this one looks like, there's just like Tom said, it's almost like you're playing from behind. And you're playing from a sense of desperation, like, hey, we'll do this two-fight deal, one-and-one. One. You know, it's almost like he's trying to get his guy, you know, you know, any publicity, any big-name attraction that he can. But as much as I love Terrence Crawford, um, he would definitely be the B-side of this equation. And I, I don't think, you know, um, you know, the fight would sell as well as the Mayweather one did, at least the boxing portion of it. The only thing that would keep it afloat would be uh, McGregor's rabid fan base or his anti-fan base hoping to see him get you know knocked on his butt again. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know how this would draw. Huh. We lose Tom. You there, Tom? Yeah. Well, two weeks in a row, I scared Tom away. I okay. There he is. Oh, there he is. Thank God. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what happened? Whoa. Did I not pay my Yeah, attention? all of a sudden, I thought, first, first word Tony said, and uh, everything went black. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We still got you, right? I'm here. All right. Tony, we still got you. No, I'm still here. All right. So, yeah, uh, the other thing with McGregor is, uh, well, not McGregor, but Khabib has said he wants to fight Floyd on one condition, 11 rounds of boxing, one round of MMA. <laughs> I don't think Floyd would ever agree to that, but that's his condition. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the other question is where does that range? round come in. Yeah. First round, last round, middle round. Is it like a random <laughs> sixth round? Khabib's endurance. I he would want it at the very last round. Eleven rounds first of boxing and then the twelfth round. Well here's the thing. Are you are you gonna be able to get to that round? Yeah. to knock him out to, to avoid that yeah it, it wouldn't yeah and it, and it wouldn't matter 
different because what would happen? You know, it was it was over by the time that last round got to it. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah, I don't think anybody would regulate that anyway. But it's just. <laughs> yeah, have to have the MMA in the sixth round and then see an arm bar. Go on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and being Floyd, not knowing. What the hell it is, you know? He could have his friggin' shoulder dislocated or his elbow dislocated. He don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. no more. And, and, I, and I would have to think Floyd is in a position to dictate the terms. Yeah. So the big one, though, is Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao actually came out, like, after the McGregor fight and said, you know, let's do this. So that's the more likely one. Uh, Pacquiao versus McGregor, <laughs> because Pacquiao is still fighting. He's not clinging to any kind of retirement, and he's in the system, you know. So, and what is what does the world come to? Lots of old timers would say, "What is the world come to?" Okay, zero and one, and he don't even get me started on uh, Logan Paul versus Antonio Brown. <laughs> Have you heard about that one? <laughs> uh, Antonio I was desperate for work, property. I guess. Uh, yeah, Jesus. boy, there is so much raw meat for, for comedians there. So much raw meat. <laughs> <laughs> Just hearing it, I'm laughing. Yeah. It's really serious, though. They're actually DAZN and everything has come out and made an offer to support it. Um, Antonio is working out, boxing and everything. And obviously, Logan Paul has a couple of fights under his belt against some bum. He thinks he's the world champ of bums. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. He's celebrity boxing. Celebrity boxing. Uh, it's you not just it. a celebrity. Uh, I, I, In this I, case, I, it's a real athlete. You know, Antonio, as much as you could knock his uh, out of the yeah. field, off the field antics, I mean, he's an athlete, so... <laughs> Just kind well, of Logan Paul. Isn't, isn't not really an Brown, uh, isn't, Doesn't Antonio Brown ha ha have another legal situation that just popped up? Oh, yes, he did this yeah. week. Um, something where he was some... I forget whose house he was at. And he was assaulting police officers or throwing stuff at police officers. So, yes, he's got more than enough problems. Yep. Oh, you talk about the wheels coming off. Wow. Mm-hmm. Ain't that true? And then there was a guy who got in trouble in the locker room for slapping somebody's ass, slapping the cop's ass. And so I look it up. Yeah. Thinking, oh. Put that Odell Beckham? Yeah. I, yes. look, I look it up and go, mm, it must have been a hot female. And it was a guy. <laughs> because he was telling people to <laughs> not smoke cigars. Odell just came up and gave him a nice little bitch slap on the ass. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, crazy stuff with these celebrities and athletes. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. We had a big upset last week in the boxing world. We'll get to the rest of the UFC card later. Uh, right. Mr. Cornflake. Good right, in Tony, right, in, yep, right in Tony's hometown. Uh, Man, that crowd was yeah. mean. That, that, that was a silly crowd. I was watching the prelims. That yeah. is a mean, mean town for boxing. If the fans don't know what they want. <laughs> it, 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 
it's crazy because you know I had um two two of my friends that I see at the LA Fitness. They were at that card. Um, I had originally planned to go, and you know how it's like sometimes. And Tom, you would know this being a psychic. Uh, sometimes it's like almost like that sixth sense kicks in, and you go to do something, and something tells you not to do it. And synchronicity, yes, sir. Yeah, really. Because I was talking to an old friend of mine that would used to be like that's with me. He did. I trained him a few times. You know, great guy, good friend. And we were talking like we've never been to a fight together. And I said, yeah, maybe we'll do this car together. Okay. And he texted me about two weeks ago, and he's like, hey, you know, uh, can I ride down with you guys? I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, we hadn't got the t- I said, listen, Rob, I'll get the tickets. I haven't gotten them yet. And I texted my other friend, Mike, to see if he was interested in going. And he didn't get back, back to me, but then I kind of figured he was going to be watching the McGregor fight. And so I'm getting ready to order these tickets, and it's the week before the fight. And I was like talking to my mom about something, and we said something, and I was like, now i got to order these tickets. And, and once again, for some unknown reason, I didn't do it. And then it comes out, hey, man, the weather might not be too good in Philly. Um, and so then we kind of backed off just to try to get a better gauge on that. And that's when Hank passed away. So yeah. it was, you know, just just a matter of almost fate. So I texted my friend Rob and said, Rob, listen, I said, I hate to be the jerk and all that. I said, um, but I, I don't think I'll be going Saturday night, you know, just because so much stress with the whole week and everything um, and, and how that turned out. And the other stroke of fate, you know, um, they would where he was from, Norristown, Pennsylvania, um, you know, right close to Philadelphia. He lived around the block from my tree lot, so that's when I would visit him sometimes. Um, he, he would always do like this cable access TV show at the Norristown High School, and he, they had, he had me on as a guest two times back in 2016, one time promoting a Sinatra night in the tuxedo, another time, you know, with the um, Philly Zephyr on. I was on on it last year, and I was, um, you know, he was first in the hospital and said, okay, we're expecting him to be back soon, hopefully, you know, and I said, when he comes back, I'll be back on. So, knowing how then sick he was, they called me in December to book me again, and I said, I'll talk to you in January. They called me two weeks ago and said, hey, can we do January 15th? I said, unfortunately, we have to wait till the end of January, I'm swamped at work, and I have appointments a couple days that week. Thank God, because he died us on the 14th, where, as you guys heard me on the show last week, I mean, I was a basket case, and the guy that runs the show, who would have been interviewing me, was, you know, all broken up. You know, neither of us would have been able to get through it. So thankfully now, we can focus and go. But let's get back to the um, the fight, Temple. Um, here's my take on it. And I was talking to some of the guys that were there tonight about this fight. Um, you know, J-Rock looked good in that first round. He looked real good. I mean, he was laying in some shots. He was crisp. Um, he was on point. He looked good. 
second round, the cut happens. And it was from a punch. And even though it looked like they had it under control in the corner, it was visibly affecting him. It was affecting him during the fight. It was affecting him between rounds. It, you could see he was pawing at it. Um, you know, he was then not letting his hands go as much. He was hesitant. Um, I don't know if it was getting in his eye. Um, but then next thing you know, you know, he started taking some big shots in the fourth round. And it's like, man, the, the tide's really turned. You know, the momentum is definitely, you know, um, turned. And then fifth round, boom. And you could see he was visibly hurt. Uh, he went down after they tussled in the clinch. And he was having a hard time getting up. So shortly after that, you know, referee made a good stoppage. And my one friend texted me and he goes, wow. And he goes, holy shit. I said, yeah. He goes, what happened? I said, man, I don't know. I said, but that boy who's fighting, you know, was a good, strong, physical oh, fighter. And he goes, yeah, but he goes, he took Jared Hurd's punches so well. But I'm thinking, you know, and you guys will know this from, you know, our years, you know, with, with the fight game. You can take a great punch, especially if you see it coming. Now, blood's getting in that left eye, and you're covering your left eye, and you don't see that punch coming. It could be a punch one-tenth of the um, velocity, but you don't see it. And the punch you don't see coming, what happens? Yeah, that's, that's the one that puts you down. Yep. Very, so very good point. That, that was my feeling on it. Yeah, and, and it was un- unbelievable that the crowd was booing the stoppage. Like it was premature. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was telling you, my friends, Philly, you know, Philly's a tough town. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is. You know, and we do have a terrible reputation. You know, I, I know that. Um, no. And, and I know... Well, good, 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 good in some ways, Tony. Good in some ways. You know, yeah, if it's true. a boxing town, it's a tough town. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're very passionate and all we do. In fact, that was one of the things I said when I filmed that commercial two years ago. I said, my exact words, I said, my father made me a Philadelphia fan. And I said, and he installed to me in a young age, whether you're a fan whether you're a competitor, whether you're a player, you give everything you got every day. You know, that's just our mentality. And, you know, especially, like, you know, when you're um, the local homecoming guy and you have family and friends there, and, you know, they think they think you're going to come back out of this. Now, that fight had to be stopped. He was hurt. You know, he could have been seriously hurt if it went any longer. Um, it was a good stoppage. I applaud, um, uh, I think it was Benji Estevez. I applaud him on that side. Yes. Um, Great job. And, yeah, I mean, there's no, nothing else you could say or do. But I can understand the emotion of the family and the friends, like, you know, oh, they ripped our guy off. No, they didn't. And they saved your friends. Yeah. And uh, the crowd was on Joey Spencer. Um, did, yeah. did you see the whole card, Tony? Did you watch it? I did. I did. Okay, well, how about you? How about you, Rich? I didn't get to watch it. Were you able to see the, the card? No, I watched. Mm-hmm. I was watching the UFC, and I got up to like the third fight to the last one, and I fell asleep. <laughs> so I didn't get yeah, to see anything. Yeah, but um, except the yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Joey Spencer. Joey Spencer was uh, catching his share of booze too. I mean, it looks like he had a I like Joey Spencer. I followed him um, since he was, you know, first turned professional, and he was getting some shows on like you know ESPN, maybe like a four rounder, like a swing fight, or um, premier boxing champions. Um, they were you know putting him on with these swing fights. Because you're right, he is a good young prospect. You know, he's 19 years old. You know, he's gonna fill out, he's going to mature, um, yeah. but I think part of the, um, you know, criticism on this fight was, he's in there with the guy he's supposed to be, the guy was an awkward southpaw, so it's a harsh yeah. uh, you know, assignment for anybody, especially a young guy, um, and to make it even tougher on Joey, he's a left hooker, so with the southpaw, you know, your best um, weapon is a straight right hand, so the way to get your left hook involved on that is if you're able to land the straight right hand and then as Sean O'Grady would always say on Tuesday Night Fights, you got to widen the hook a little bit to get around that lead right hand. Um, and Joey wasn't able to get, you know, really any um, leverage on his right hand and he wasn't able to get the rhythm on his left hook. So he was tepid in there and it was a very tepid performance and not one that's going to make you want to jump up and say, I want to see this kid again. Now, from someone that's seen Joey Spencer a couple times and generally enjoys watching him fight and is interested in following his career, yes, I'm going to mark this down and saying, awkward opponent, kind of threw him off his game plan a little bit and he's going to learn from it and get better. Other people... Yeah, that's right. exactly... Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with you. Yeah, and, and, and the counter to that would be yeah, what other people say about it. Yeah, other people might say he didn't impress me. Uh, I can, you know, go without seeing him again and not give him another chance. And that's a shame. You know, he's 19 years old. He's going to physically mature. He's, I uh, hopefully, going to get better. Uh, um, but jury's out, right? Yeah, and and he, he closed the show pretty good. You know, he showed the power yeah. he's got there, and he finally was figuring it out. But to, uh, yeah, I, I, w I would I would agree with you that it's a, it was a learning experience. I mean, he won every round, and it's easier said than done against that guy. I mean, the guy didn't have much power, but 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 still, I mean, it, it's it's just not that simple. And he, you know, he was halfway apologetic, but I think he had the right attitude toward it. Hey, this was a learning experience, and sometimes you can't get everyone out in the first round, and uh, that's a good thing. Exactly, exactly right. You know, um, I'm gonna give you. Um, a guy that was a Philadelphia fighter, and he's still fighting professionally. Um, he set the record. Uh, I forget who. I forget whose record he beat um, for consecutive first round knockouts to start his career. His name was Tyrone Brunson, and I watched a couple of his fights when he was first coming up. And I was like, "Oh my God, he's going for the record!" Uh, he's at 14 now, and I think he had to get 19. 19 consecutive first round knockouts to start your career. Well, and. Good and bad, right? It's good showing, hey, man, yes. you're blowing guys out. you got impressive power. But even Mike Tyson early in his career was sometimes going two, three, four, and five rounds. Um, and then when his first loss, he got drugged into the third, fourth round, and next thing you know, he's getting stopped. Because, hey, other guys punch back, and sometimes you don't realize that. Um, and then <laughs> he has, he's been up and down ever since. 
Well, we got um, another, another fight worth mentioning. Elider Alvarez got a big win. I didn't get to see the knockout live. Um, you know, I didn't get to see the situation here this week because we have a very odd mismatch of the week. Um, there's really nothing, not much going on Friday. Everything's going on Saturday and there's not too much Saturday so believe it or not, this is the one week we will not be able to have a Jesus fight of the week because there are no Jesuses fighting according to Box Rec. Oh boy. This is like a record <laughs> for our show. Uh, somewhere around the world, a boxing ring is missing their Jesus <laughs> on Saturday. Somebody, some Jesus somewhere has to step up and be a TBA to fix this problem. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> we got no Jesus fight of the week. Well, but we do have some other stuff. Uh, we got a mismatch of the week, too. It's kind of odd because it's against a debuting fighter. <laughs> <laughs> the person that's in the mismatch. But the record is just that bad. <laughs> We're going to get to that later. But the first big fight of the week is in Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. <laughs> Minnesota. That's tough to say. <laughs> Caleb Truax. He is 30-4 and four with two draws. 30 wins, four losses. Uh, finding a guy you've probably never heard of. I haven't either. David Basa Jamavul. He is 16-4-1. I don't know what kind of name that is, but yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Nothing, uh, nothing that great on that card other than that one fight. But the big fights are on Showtime Saturday night from Brooklyn. Walter Waits, Danny Garcia, and Ivan Redcatch. Uh, both of them have two losses in their last six. Ivan's came twice, two in a row. Um, <clears throat> but uh, they're both coming off a solid win. So, Danny. Well, let me ask that. Um, because catch, this is what kind of threw me off a little bit um, with with Ivan Redcatch. Um, I mean, how long has he been moving up into welterweight? 
because if I remember correctly, he was recently um, that lightweight or lower. Uh, right, because we had our, our, our former guest, Tony Luis, or Tony Lewis, L-U-I-S, remember? Right. We had Tony on, and Tony was getting ready to fight Red Catch at 135. And I think Red Catch had moved up from 130. So this is, um, uh, he was saying he feels great at 147. Well, that's great, but Danny Garcia's not a cheap date. Mm-hmm. By any stretch. No, he is not, you know? Um I'm pulling up Ivan Ray Catch's record right now, if you can just give me a moment. Because, like I said, this is what, you know, it just threw me off a little bit um, when I saw that. Mm-hmm. And remember, Ivan, Ivan's an aggressive guy. He's going to have to go after Danny. And I don't know if that's going to work. I mean, that's kind of fight Danny likes. You know, come to me. Come to me. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, uh, <sighs> I, I, but I'll say this much. It has the potential for some fireworks as long as it lasts. Yeah. No, I agree with because you on that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got to go with Danny, just based on... Um, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I mean... Just on being with the naturally... Good, you know, yeah, you look at his body of work, uh, you look at the physicality, I mean, it's Danny's fight to lose, but it could, it could get hairy. It could be interesting. Well, like I said... I'm looking at Ray Catch's record right now, um, and he's you know twenty three yeah. and four. And I remember the fight against um, Tevin Farmer. Lewis. Okay. Uh, um, I, I remember Ray Catch's fight against Tevin Farmer, um, and I remember watching that fight. And Farmer really uh, dominated him. And I know Ray Catch is a southpaw, and just like we just said, you know, two minutes ago, that could be always a challenge because, um, you know, Garcia is such a left hooker and it's going to be hard to get that left hook in um, against, you know, a, um, a guy that's a southpaw. You know, so Danny's going to have to focus on his right hand. So looking at Red Catch's record, he beat Tony Lewis back in 2014, um, literally just six years ago, um, and knocked him down in the first round and um, won a unanimous decision, won just about every round. Then when he fought Tevin Falk, Farmer, that was in July of 2016, I remember watching it, Farmer won, um, you know, nine out of the, um, uh, nine out of the ten rounds, and he lost a point for a low blow. Um, you have a fight with, um, that was at 135. Um, then you had the fight with John Molina Jr., and where, you know, he, um, um, had Molina down, then Molina came back and knocked him out in the uh, fourth round. So now his last fight was against Devin Alexander. And Devin Alexander, this was at, you know, um, they were fighting at catch weight. You know, they were around, around 148 pounds, which was only his second fight really above 140. And Alexander is pretty shot for him. And it was three rounds to two. Um, Alexander was winning at the time of the stoppage in the sixth round. So, uh, I think he might be biting off a little bit more than he wants to chew uh, with Danny Garcia. And I'm thinking uh, Danny stops him around five. Yeah, that, that's. I, I think that's pretty accurate. And I guess uh, Red Cats would say that uh, uh, some of his struggles earlier were more with the scales than the opponent. <laughs> and you so, could be right. 
But it, Danny Garcia is a huge, huge up. I mean, in, just in, in quality, and, and um, it's going to be a tough road for him to go. But yeah. uh, it ought to be interesting. He's from somewhere Tony knows about, isn't he? <laughs> hey, Danny Garcia? <coughs> yeah, isn't he from your neck of the woods? Yeah, he's from Philly. Um, and it was funny, uh, and no, Tom, you, right you know, before we had you on as, uh, you know, our, our co-host, um, what we used to do a lot of times when we would, you know, try to get guests, especially early in our, in our um, you know, interviewing process, the best guys we would always get would be guys that either were on the way up, and they were trying to get their name out there, or guys that were, you know, kind of, you know, not being talked about much anymore, they just still wanted to talk to somebody, you know, guys wanted to, you know, rehash some of their glory days out. And we were like, you know, kids in the candy store talking to these guys. Well, I remember I somehow got a hold of, um, either I got a hold of him or I got him to, like, do a Facebook message and then passed him on to Rich or something like that, but we were able to get Danny on the show. No. Right after he turned pro, oh, you know he was a world champion. He just missed out on the Olympic um, trials for 2008, oh. so he missed out. Like he uh, lost in like 2007. So he's like, "Well, they said, well, you can be an alternate." And he's like, "Fuck that, I'm turning pro." And then um, he might have had two or three pro fights when well, we got him. MySpace on. thing. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we were still with the old MySpace thing, and like, like I don't even think. I had a Facebook account yet, so I was getting a whole lot of these guys on their fight. You know, they had like a, a boxer, you know, fan page or fight page or whatever. Right. And we were just adding everybody we could. Like, hey, you're in the fight game, I'll add you. You're in the fight game, I'll add you. I remember one time I got a, we got a guest uh, uh, because we were just putting out statuses and um, what were they bulletins on, on, on MySpace saying, hey, you want to be interviewed? We'd love to interview you. We don't care who you are. Yeah. If you're associated with the fight game, we want to talk to you. And that's how we got Larry, the ring announcer. He's like, I like to talk to anybody. Right. And, uh... And I'll tell you, um, uh, uh, this actually made a lot of sense to me. And uh, when we had this guy Larry on, and Larry's, you know, a friend of mine, I don't get to see him anymore because he moved to Arizona. But he was a Philly guy. He was a ring announcer. He was a very good, great sense of humor. So he, he got on the air with us, and like I said, he had his laughing. He was always, like, you know, cracking jokes. I said, Larry, I said, uh, I've only ever done ring announcing a handful of times for college shows, and I was kind of pressed in at the last minute both times. Um, but I said, one of the things that bothered me um, was, and it happened both times uh, that I did the ring announcing, there was a bad decision. You know, we watched, the, in fact, here's how bad the one decision was. The ring announcers for these amateur and college shows did not get in the ring. We actually sat at a table outside of the ring. And we would get on the microphone, we'd announce the fighters, and then we would, you know, announce the winner. And this fight was between a Penn State guy, and excuse me, a Lock Haven guy that I knew, um, and I forget if the other guy was from Army or uh, Penn State or from wherever. The Lock Haven guy clearly wins, and I'm not being biased here. He clearly wins the fight. Tony Wolf was the referee, Tony Wolf was a very Experience. He was the head of officiating for a long time. And Tony's in the ring, and he's got 
his the Lock Haven fighter with his left hand, the whatever fighter, uh, Army or Penn State with his right hand. And Tony's back is facing me, and I have the microphone. And I look at the cards when they gave it to me, and it had the other fighter circled on it. And it was so bad that I had to look at all of the cards to make sure they didn't hand me the wrong card face side up, you know? And I realized that the other fighter was getting the decision, and I thought it was unjust. And I felt subdued making the announcement. I said, and your winner out of the blue corner from Penn State, and Tony actually looked back at me. (laughs) And I I nodded, yes. I nodded, yes. I'm like, no, I'm announcing the right guy, Tony. I'm announcing who the judges pick. And he raised the guy's hand. And I said, to this guy, Larry, I said, Larry, I said, when you get a decision and you know it is clearly wrong, how do you handle it? He goes, it is not my decision to determine who won the fight. He goes, my decision, my job is to announce the winner and to give him the respect in that situation. And he goes, I cannot take away from his moment. <laughs> now, the other week, with, with that Jesse Hart-Joe Smith fight, there was a split decision. Imagine if Jesse Hart got that decision, that he clearly did not win. How does that ring announcer announce it? You know? Because you know the wrong guy is getting this. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do, you do it? But he goes, you can't take away from his moment. Even if it's a fake moment. It is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, yeah, Danny Garcia. We also had uh, Sean Porter back in the day. When he was like 9 and 0, or something like that. Yeah, we had Sean. Young and. And then I remember like a week or so later, he fought on the ESPN. Yeah. We had, a lot, we had a lot of really good guys when they were starting out. You know, that's a great. Time to get them because they're going to get this year. They're definitely going to get some. <clears throat> I'd like to uh, have Maureen Shea back on. She's she's been back in the female fight game. She'd be a great guest. I, I talk about MySpace. Jesus Christ! I probably have like fifty or sixty articles that were lost to the to the MySpace turnover over the years. They they said you could just email something and get your blog back, but I never was able to get my blog back. And uh, now it's changed hands like six or seven times, so who knows where that information is. <laughs> but I have yeah, right. all is, that, is, 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 is MySpace still in business? Yeah. I mean, uh, still it is, actually, as far as I know. Uh, I don't remember my password. It's still there. I mean, I got it all friggin' memorized in my computer, so I can go back on there anytime I want. But it's like nothing there. It's like, it's like the bare bones of your profile now. It's... It's more like a music thing. It's, it's like a dead mob. Yeah. A, a dead mob. No, no stores, but no people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. It's nuts. Anyway, yeah, on, on the Brooklyn yeah, the card, just happened. <laughs> we have the uh, Somebody's Always Gotta Go Fight in the co-main event. The WBO Intercontinental Super Bantamweight title. Although, you know, with these guys' records, you'd think it'd be for something better. Uh, Stephen Fulton, 17-0. Against Arnold Kigai, who is 16-0-1. And yeah, Super Bantamweight title there. Intercontinental. That's one of those ones you gotta love as an announcer. Intercontinental. <laughs> I just like saying that. 
sounded pretty good there, buddy. You <laughs> did. Uh, we also have uh, not, not such an epic fight here, but Jared Hurd back in action. He's 23 and one, fighting Francisco Santana, who's 25, seven and one. And that about rounds it out for this that week. Oh, I forgot to mention. Oh, I gotta go back to Boxrec. There was uh, the mismatch of the week too. Before we move on to um, the MMA stuff, but while that's waiting. I'll have to reload the page. Uh, we got to talk about wrestling for a minute because uh, there's a hell of a wrestling story this week from high school wrestling of a father not liking how his son was fouled on the wrestling mat at a tournament at a local high school somewhere in uh, North Carolina. You guys hear about this? No. No? Yeah, yeah I did. Oh, wow. Yeah, look this up. Uh, I'm surprised. If, if you go on Facebook, it was the day it happened. It was everywhere. So the uh, the father was in the stands watching his son. Looks like they're heavyweights. I mean, it's a 171, 189 or heavyweights. I don't think they're any lighter. Um, <coughs> although they're probably different weights now because they changed them. I know since I wrestled, but uh, they're big dudes. Uh, so anyway. The opponent of the father's kid that's out there uh, slams the kid, slams him hard, right on his neck, and uh, the father just comes out of the stand before the refs can even take a point, and I guess from the article I read, the refs were conferring and they were going to take points, but the father didn't give him a chance, he just come bowing out of the stands and tackled the kid. Uh, so he assessed the penalty immediately. <laughs> and it's like so fast, even the freeze frame is in a blur. Uh, and the guy got arrested, you know, hauled off the freaking... But the funny thing is, the wrestling matches on the other mats kept going. The referees didn't even stop the matches. Uh, but there was a melee. I mean, this guy tackled him, and, you know, the coach got involved and I mean I don't think there was any punches thrown or anything but yeah it was it was definitely heated for a little while and uh, yeah that's a tough one <laughs> I mean I, I kind of feel bad laughing about it because there was this, there's been plenty of instances where guys get in fights over sports and their kids and uh, there was a Massachusetts one years ago where the guy got killed he was on trial for like, a month. Well. Uh, over hockey, something with the hearts to do with uh, youth hockey, and he got in a fight with the coach. He waited for the coach after the uh, practice, and he beat remember, him. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. So yeah, it's dangerous. But thankfully, you know, there's a full crowd of people that saw it, so there was plenty of people to jump on the, the guy and get him off the kid. But yeah. Somebody's uh, somebody's gonna get banned from future competitions. He's gonna have to watch on Facetime from now on. <laughs> yeah, the whole wrestling team has a restraining order against you. <laughs> uh, he's never gonna live that one down. Yeah, he's arrested for uh, simple assault and disorderly conduct. Barry Lee Jones. <laughs> Anyway, 
That's the bizarre news story of the week, right there. Now we got to get to the mismatch of the week. It's here somewhere. The fighter uh, who's expected to win, I believe, is the fighter making his debut. Which is very rare, but why do you hear this guy's record? I can find it now. Where is he? Okay, so this is in France, Morbihan, France, wherever the heck that is. And uh, it's crazy because this is the only solid fight on the card. The other ones are against TBA, so they don't even know who they're fighting. But this is this is locked in stone. We've got uh, Zakaria Serrati making his debut, and he's fighting Dimitri J. Djordjevic. And Dimitri J. is zero... 21 and 3 and he's coming fresh off his third draw. <laughs> third draw. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's got a one fight game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, best he can man. hope for yeah, is a draw against Zakaria here. Uh, unless you really believe in the kid. <laughs> he's looking for his first win. First win. All right. So we've got to recap the rest of the McGregor card there. We had Holly Holm getting a big win, although it was kind of predictable. You know, more experienced kickboxer versus uh, kind of a, a journey girl. Can't say journey man. Kyle <laughs> Pennington. Uh, you know, she's just got shorter reach. She's a shorter girl. She loves to scrap, and it's a perfect matchup for Holly to dominate, and she did. Uh, so I didn't even really get to watch that fight, uh, but I'm glad I didn't because unanimous decision. I wouldn't want to have watched that because I really like Raquel. She's, she's a tough, scrappy girl, and I hate to see her masked up against people that she just can't beat. She's just totally, stylistic-wise, it's just uh, it's like total mismatch. Um but anyway, yeah, that's how it went down. And then uh, Alexei Alenik, experience matters, got his uh, armbar submission in the second round, four minutes and 38 seconds into the fight over Maurice Green. Uh, and then uh, this is the one I What a fight about. that was. Yeah. From what I, I read about, yeah. Uh, Alexei is just crafty. Oh, you, you, you didn't... You, I didn't... Yeah, yeah uh, you didn't see it, but this was... You talk about a clash of styles. Maurice Green was a monster on the feet, and he had some decent uh, grappling defense skills, but he, he kept it on the ground longer than he should have. I, you don't want to play the other guy's game. And uh, like you said, crafty is the word. Yeah. Crafty. My God. And he had a he had a choke in the first round. Uh, he almost burned his arms out. I don't know how he could even move going into round two. Uh, and uh, Green would not submit. It was quite the fight for Green. I mean, I never did well on him. Uh, no one from it. He's got a good good camp out there, those Colorado guys. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was fight of the night for me. 
I called him Odie, like Garfield, last week, <laughs> but his name is O'Day, I guess. O'Day Osborne. Uh, he lost by guillotine choke, first round, 2 minutes and 49 seconds in. Uh, Brian Kelleher got the job done there. And that's the one I fell asleep right before. So I saw Ferreira versus Pettis and Monteferi versus Barber, uh, which are both good fights. Uh, Diego Ferreira, um, he just, I mean, they were saying he was dominating, but I mean, he just basically was a step ahead of Pettis almost the whole fight. And then uh, the rear naked show pretty much sealed the deal. Uh, he's just Rich, well, what do you what do you think's happened to, to Pettis? I mean, he was at the top of his game uh, going back when, around 2014. Remember, he's on the Wheaties box. Yeah, well, I mean, I he's think made it a just, big deal out of that. I'm fighting, I'm fighting a Wheaties box. It, it just caught up to him that he's been doing the same stuff. You know, um, Duke Rufus was a pioneer back in his day when he when he was kickboxing and stuff, but. Nowadays, these yeah. kids, they have, they are so well-rounded, like Adesanya and uh, a lot of these guys coming out, they, they have such advanced knowledge uh, of the changing of the fight game, and there's different camps and uh, different experts involved now than there were back in the day, so you've got a Duke Rufus camp that does things the same way they've always done. And they haven't changed much. Um, and they don't really do a lot of dynamic stuff. Uh, so the, a lot of these fighters just get stuck in their mold. Uh, and Pettis is one of those guys, too, who likes to up-jab. Sticks his face out there. Uh, and thinks he doesn't have to do defense. And the guys coming up now, if they're smart, they keep their goddamn hands up. <laughs> And Pettis yep. will always keep one low by the hip or by his knee, and, and he pays for it. Uh, and this one happened to end by rear naked choke, but it could have ended the other way, too. And it was it was a pretty rough brawl uh, until the end. <coughs> and then uh, Montefiore, Roxanne Montefiore, boy, she uh, beat her opponent bloody. And uh, this was one I was very concerned about, the corner of Macy Barber, uh, because I could have sworn... After that second round, she went back to the corner and said, I'm done, repeatedly, on on the tape. I, sw I swore that's what she was saying. And then all of a sudden she's talking to the ref and she's nodding, yes, she's ready to go. Um, but, you know, when you tell your corner you're done, yeah, I get it. I, I get it. They're going to try to pep talk you in and keep going. But, I mean some sense you gotta see that this girl's getting beat up you don't put her out there for a third round because she don't want to go out there <laughs> uh so i thought that was kind of odd and uh i don't know i don't know how far sh corners should go in that situation if you really think that your fighter's got a chance yeah hell yeah but Montefiore was just a beast out there and she doesn't really do very well in the striking usually <laughs> you know because she doesn't seem to have a lot of power behind her strikes but it was just volume. It was almost like Stockton slaps coming <laughs> coming at this Macy Barber girl, uh, because it, and you know Macy had a couple elbows, but that was about it. She really wasn't fighting back that well. So uh, Montefiore just took over and just won the unanimous decision. Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting fight. Uh, Sadiq Youssef over Andre Feely by unanimous decision. 
Askar Askarov, uh, also by unanimous decision. Uh, we got Drew Dober over Nasrat Hakparast. That was a knockout. One minute and ten seconds in. Alexa Kamir over Justin Lede by unanimous decision. And Sabina Mazo versus JJ Aldrich. That was a split decision for Mazo. We got Bellator and Fight Night 166. And that'll do it, I think, for this week. We don't have all the news or anything. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Michael Chiesa in the co main event. Rafael's 30 and 12. Chiesa is 16 and 5. This is Fight Night 166 from North Carolina. Curtis Blades in the main event. He's 12 and 2, fighting Junior. Junior Dos Santos, 21 and 6. Uh, also on the card, 10th fight of the night, Jordan Espinoza, 14-6, fighting Alex Perez, who is 22-5. Then we got Angela Hill, 10-7, fighting Hannah Cyphers, who's 10-3. Jamal Hill, 6-0, fighting Darko Stozik, who is 13-3. We got 7th uh, fight of the night, Bavon Lewis, 6-2, fighting Daquan Townsend, 21-9. Nick Lentz in the sixth fight of the night, 30, 30 and 10 with two draws, fighting Arnold Allen, who's 15 and 1. Uh, Justine Kish in the fifth fight of the night, 6 and 2, fighting Lucy Pudilova, who is 8 and 5. And we got fourth fight of the night, Montel Jackson, 8 and 1, versus Felipe Diaz Caleras, who is 9 and 1. And a big female fight, third fight on the card. Sarah McMahon, 11-5, versus Lena Landsberg, who's 10-4. We got Tony Gravely, 19-5, fighting Brett Johns, who's 15-2. Herbert Burns, 9-2, fighting Nate Landwehr, who is 13-2 in the first fight of the night. And then that's it. Bellator, 238, Bud versus Cyborg. There's a big article on Sherdog about Cyborg having to overcome the way she left the UFC. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't know what the guy who wrote that thinks he knows about MMA, but uh, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of, the way that she left the UFC. I mean, they treated her like shit. I, you know, anybody would have left under that circumstance. So I think that's on them, not on her. But anyway, she's going against, against uh, Julia Budd, big superstar for Bellator. 13 and 2, Christian Justino, cyborg they call her. She is 21 and 2, and she should handle this one. She should easily go in there and take care of business. She is the big fish in the small pond officially now. So uh, I don't see a lot of people in Bellator that are going to give her any kind of a competition. But we'll see. I could be wrong. Darian Caldwell, 14-3, versus Adam Borix, 14-0. Henry Corrales, our former guest, also on this card. He is 17-4, uh, fighting Juan Archuleta, 23-2. So Henry holds on to his new teeth in this one. <laughs> Archuleta is a tough guy. Uh, another former guest of ours. Talking about Pettis's, he's in Bellator now, but Sergio Pettis was another guy we had on back when he was very young. He was barely, barely into the pro ranks, I believe. Uh, but he's 18-5 and five now, fighting Alfred 
Kashakian was 11 and 4. And we got Raymond Daniels, 1 and 1, fighting Jason King, who's 8 and 5. Don't let the 1 and 1 fool you. He's a pretty crazy, badass fighter. Uh, Ava Knight, also on the card, 1 and 0, fighting Emily Geddes, who's 3 and 4. And then Aaron Pico, up and down Pico, who's supposed to be unstoppable. Now he's 4 and 3. <laughs> fighting Daniel Carey, who is 7 and 3. He was supposed to be Aaron Wonderboy Pico. And now he's Aaron almost 400. Uh, tough, tough road to hoe for him. Anyway, uh, eighth fight of the night, AJ Agazarm. He is 2 and 1, fighting Adele Altamimi, who is 8 and 6. And we won't go through all the rest of those. Nothing too exciting there. So, I'm. Pretty sure that's about it, unless you guys got anything else to add to the agenda. No, um, that, that's it. Just looking forward to, you know, um, watching the Garcia fight this weekend. Yeah, we'll have plenty of, plenty to talk about next week, and we'll see if we're getting a guest. we got a few candidates in mind, so we'll figure it out, as they say on my favorite new show, Letter Kenny. And we'll get back to uh, everybody beforehand and let you know. Until next week, I guess that's all, folks. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Enjoy the fights. Oh, uh, by the way, I got to see Michael Grant last week um, at Hank's funeral. He came up up to say hi to me. I'm like, how crazy is that? He comes up to say hi to me. (laughs) Um, But I forgot to say it was a very nice service. And... um, we set the man out with a bang. Awesome. What a great, great, great guy. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and guys, thank, thank you for your kind words on the tribute I wrote. No problem. No problem. Appreciate it. All right. Well, have a great weekend, and we'll talk next week. All right. Adios, folks. Thanks for stopping by. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.